welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And today we wanted to talk about the creature from the Black Lagoon. This is the original 1954 Universal Pictures uh, movie. This uh, film, even to this day, is extremely popular. I, I really believe that the creature from the Black Lagoon is one of, if not the most popular monsters of the Universal line. Uh, I think a lot of people recognize Frankenstein and... Frankenstein is an iconic monster. And I think Frankenstein has a lot of fans because they can sympathize with him. If they see the movie, they, you know, book is a little different. But people definitely can identify with the monster. But The Creature from the Black Lagoon is definitely second, if not first. I mean, I, I see people even to this day, young people with Creature from the Black Lagoon tattoos. <laughs> really? Uh, just the other day, I saw a woman in the grocery store, and she had a really cool creature from the Black Lagoon tattoo on her on her calf. Mm, nice. and I was just like, <laughs> "Wow, that's really cool." Um, I don't. I I would venture to say that it's not so much because the movie is so great. I mean, the movie's good, but I think it has more to do with the creature himself. I mean, I think it's just the design, the suit, the aesthetic of him. Yeah, yeah, the aesthetic <laughs> of this creature is just so unique and he's kind of badass you know i mean he's <laughs> like he he transcends time i mean he was popular then he survived through the 60s the 70s with all of the different things that were going on in monster movies uh, I mean, there was never a point in my life, my lifetime, where the creature wasn't popular and people would say, oh, I love the creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, that's the one I really like. Uh, you know, people, for whatever reason, they just, they seem to love this monster. And uh, like I said, I, I just think it's because of the monster himself. I just feel like he's just really cool looking and people can identify with that. Yeah, plus it's kind of cool how he's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of in the middle of like the Adam Age monsters and the Universal monsters because he always gets grouped in with all the Universal monsters, but he's technically like, you know, part of the 50s line, but most of the 50s monsters are always either like generic aliens or generic giant like animals. Insects. Yeah. Things that were the result of the Atom Age. Yeah. And the creature is not. The creature is... Yeah, if anything, he's prehistoric. He's prehistoric, <laughs> right. He's, he's like the Loch Ness Monster in a way, or like Bigfoot, where yeah. he's he's just been living in this remote part of the world. And I guess the reason why the movie works in the 50s is because, you know, at that point in time, post-World War II, the world was becoming smaller and smaller. Yeah, and the, the science helped people get out to like remote areas. Areas, like, yeah, extremely remote areas, like in this case in the Amazon jungle. So yeah, this is supposed to be, this expedition is supposed to be like the first time people from the West have gotten this deep into this into this part of the world where they discover it's like, oh, well, you know, there might even be prehistoric creatures still living. Like, you know, people even think that there might even still be dinosaurs in, in the heart <laughs> of Africa somewhere, like in the Congo. People yeah. said that they saw a Diplodocus or Brontosaurus or something like that. You know, I don't know that that's true, but I think that the creature taps into that. You know, so talking about the creature himself and just because we want to sort of zoom in on him. Like we said, we don't really want to talk about the movie that much, although we might refer to a few scenes in it. So when I was a kid, I had the Aurora model of the creature. And of course, once again, one of the most popular models that a lot of my friends had, even my friends who didn't even like to build the monster models, they would still get that one. You mm -hmm. know, I, I had friends who had models of planes and cars and ships on their, on their shelf and then the creature. <laughs> you know? Well, he's cool to paint because you can make him bright colors and stuff. I think it was just because he's cool. Like, people just like him, you yeah. know? And one of the things that I remember when I was a kid was that the model of the creature, the creature had fangs, you know? 
And we always thought that, yeah, of course he has fangs, you know, he's, he's a monster. And, but <laughs> All late, monsters have to have fangs. <laughs> yeah, but later on I realized, okay, he doesn't have fangs. And he's, you know, when you watch the movie, there's never a scene where he has fangs and he's kind of just has this fish mouth. And when he's out of the water, he seems to be struggling to breathe, you know, because he's got gills and he breathes in the water. And so uh, I just thought that was interesting that, okay, well, wait a minute, if he doesn't have fangs, but then he does have claws. And he has claws in a way that are very much consistent with a carnivore. <laughs> so it's but, kind of confusing to me, you know, what, how that when they thought of this. I mean, obviously, when they were designing the costume and the and the creature himself, they just wanted something that looked cool and would look good in the movie. They weren't really thinking of, you know, the physiology. Yeah, the physiology <laughs> of the creature and the and you know whether it actually. Like a creature like that could actually survive in the wild. You know, how would it eat? How how would it sustain itself? Like, would it eat plants, fish? Was it an omnivore? You know, what what sort of was it a vegetarian? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they took the time to really think that through. But nonetheless, it still sort of goes with everything that they designed. Just seemed to work when it comes to making a cool looking monster. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't see anything like too wrong with the creature aside from the fact that he just has like a human shape. But like. If you overlook that, because I think the claws are for digging. I think they're for digging in the mud, like a beaver's claws, you know. And murdering human beings. Yeah, well, does he even, because when he attacks that one guy with the bowl cut, he just grabs his face. It's like, the baseball mitt is, scene. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> is that, did he, did they really say that he scratched him to death? I thought maybe he like. I think just, there's a scene that, that where they show them all mauled and stuff. I thought, it? I don't know, I don't remember, I thought maybe he just like, you know, pushing him around and like broke his neck or something like that. Maybe. I, you know, I always, my interpretation was that he's using those claws to, as, as attack weapons. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more just about like swimming and like I said before, maybe about like ripping the scales off fish or something like that. And then for the teeth, I think he would have teeth like a catfish because a catfish, like from the outside... Their mouth looks like the creature, where it's just like this oval fish mouth. Yeah, it but, does. It does remind me of a catfish. Yeah, mouth. some catfish can have like these like rows of teeth that are in like a circle, kind of around their mouth, and they're for like ripping and tearing, like because they can eat they can eat whatever they can eat like dead flesh, or they can also eat like live things, like smaller fish, frogs, etc. All that stuff, and then they just shake their head around and like rip it apart. So. Uh, I assume it would be the same for the creature. Maybe he uses his hands to, like, push some fish in his mouth or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know? and, and like you said, I mean, he, I mean, they say in the movie that he's kind of like a dead end in the evolution chain. You know, of course, we all come from, from the ocean, you know, and then this was just an earlier stage of man. You know, just kind of like the way we evolved from apes. It's like, okay, there's all of these, there's a species that keeps on evolving and eventually becomes us. But along the way, there's all of these dead ends. They just go extinct, you know? Yeah. And this is just one of those lines that was supposed to go extinct, but this one is still living. And of course, they don't explain if there's a family of them, you know, how did, like, is, is this just, I mean, obviously this creature itself can't be millions of years old. Yeah, they don't so. explain how long he can live because yeah. they act like yeah he's the only one right so that's kind of just a big whatever you know you have to <laughs> suspension of disbelief uh the other thing i wanted to focus on was the environment in which the creature lives which is you know supposed to be in the amazon jungle and this lagoon and is very remote and there's a really famous scene the explorers are and the scientists are in this boat that they've chartered 
and you know they're supposed to be and I think there's this one scene where the guy even says you know how does it feel to be somewhere where you know no civilized man has ever been before yeah and around the time he's saying that you can see in the background that there's a telephone pole yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> because, because it was really just filmed on a universal lot and, yeah. and <laughs> they didn't think that you know that things would be sticking up higher than the trees that are in the foreground yeah it's like that's like a funny like like movie trivia because yeah you have to look for it it's not like right in your face so it's fun to point it out to friends if they don't know it already you yeah can be like look at that in the background <laughs> Once you see it, it's like, oh my god! It's like you, you can't miss it. It's yeah, not, it's so. like the it's like the um like the hanging munchkin from a Wizard of Oz or whatever. It's like you like point it out to people. Well, the the munchkin that's supposed to have hanged himself. Yeah, but it's like an ostrich it, or something. Yeah, it's really just a bird in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the birds from another scene got got away, and then it was just sort of doing its thing and you know way in the back of the scene. And it, it does kind of look when when somebody plants that in your head and they say, oh, that's a, a small person in the process of hanging himself (laughs) (laughs) it's a well it's because there's two like trees or it's like black white black like these stripes basically in the background and then the ostrich's head like comes into like the middle part that's white so it kind of looks like a body swinging yeah yeah, it does it's really it's really um eerie and freaky when you see that but yeah it's been it's been debunked um, the other thing is, I think is so funny in this movie is that at one point they're trying to get the creature, they know the creature's there and they're trying to get the creature to come to the surface. And uh, the captain of the boat, I guess it's like a, a fishing boat and he has this, I don't know what it is. They, they say what it is in the movie, but it's sort of like a powder substance that paralyzes fish. It's, it's sort of like if you're fishing and you're just like, oh, we can't catch anything, let's just cheat. <laughs> and you throw this stuff in and all the fish just sort of like, you know, float to the surface. Like, so, so they do it, you know. And they, yeah, because they, they're trying to get the creature, like, at all costs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so they, and this is like this supposed beautiful place, you know. It's like a paradise. And here they come with their chemicals. And they're just, like, throwing it in this lagoon as if it's nothing. <laughs> like, you know, no ramifications at all. Yeah. So then, like, you, you see them putting the powder. And then the next scene, you see the whole lagoon has got all these hundreds of fishes that are just floating on the top. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's just, like, the, the humans, of course, don't waste any time with like destroying their surroundings even though i don't think this is like an environmental movie but no, obviously <laughs> not i mean it's just it's so funny how in the 50s there's a total disregard you know for that it's like you know what i mean like every, yeah. even like the director of the film is probably saying well no one's going to care about that they just want to see the creature and it's just but what they didn't <laughs> stop to think of was that, okay the chemical might paralyze because it does paralyze the creature and the creature does eventually float to the top mm-hmm. and they do wind up catching it or or, or being able to deal with it, at least temporarily, and then the creature gets out. But anyway, uh, what they don't explain or what they don't say is that, well, when you paralyze a fish, a fish can't breathe. Because the only <laughs> way a fish can breathe, the fish has to keep on swimming in order to breathe. Yeah, some of so, them at least. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> most of those fishes are basically dead. I mean, they don't want to say it, but they basically, you just killed like 100 different fish in this I lagoon. I know, yeah, because, yeah, if they're paralyzing them through and through, like... I mean, I know different fish have different requirements, but yeah, I mean, it's not good for the for the ecosystem. Let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the universal monsters, they're more or less things that are like possible on the stage, and then I mean, the Invisible Man and the Wolf Man rely a lot on special effects. But the creature is, like, different because it's, like, you know, they had, like, underwater cameras, like, the guy and the girl, I mean, the creature, the guy in the creature suit, 
and the girl are literally like underwater. And uh, actually, the other guys, the two scientists, they are also scenes with them underwater with like their harpoon guns and all their stuff strapped on them and everything. I don't know. It. I think it's just like. It's cool from a movie-making standpoint how they were able to do all that stuff under the water. Well, they had two separate crews. So yeah. one movie was filmed everything above water with uh, Julie Adams and playing the part of the damsel in distress kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and then they had a separate crew that was it was like in a different part of Florida. All of this uh. stuff was filmed in Florida. Yeah, with warm water. <laughs> yeah, and it was further north. And all of that stuff is just done when all of those scenes are filmed with stunt doubles. And, and then, of course, there's the famous, why are there bubbles coming out of the top of the creature's head? Oh, yeah. Sort of you know? <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember what, if, if it was the first movie or the second movie that has the bubbles. One of them has the bubbles and one of them doesn't. Is, isn't that how it goes? Um, I don't remember. I, I can't remember either. Yeah, well, that's a good segue to, to the next movie, which is called Revenge of the Creature. And... What's clear in this film, which that isn't as clear in the first film, is its connection to King Kong. That, yeah, it's like the same thing. <laughs> yeah, basically, the creature from the Black Lagoon is really just a remake of King Kong, but with a sea creature instead of a giant gorilla. Yeah, and they're all remakes of Beauty and the Beast. They just like to pair up these women with like these giant animals and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so what I would say the first movie is parallel to the first part of King Kong when they go to the island and then they're in this uncharted, you know, prehistoric area and that hasn't changed for millions of years, supposedly. And then they they see the gorilla, they're able to capture the gorilla. But in The Creature from the Black Lagoon, what happens is they're not able to capture him. And instead he winds up, uh, they wind up killing him or so we're led to believe that the creature has been killed. And it ends with this scene where the creature is just floating and we're left to believe that, oh, because he does look dead. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, well, they killed the creature. But in the second movie, now this is parallel to the second half of King Kong when they bring him back to New York City. And now King Kong is in an unfamiliar place. You know, he's in this concrete jungle now, and he has to navigate. He's at a disadvantage. And that's why when he sees the Empire State Building, it reminds him of home, this, this mountain that he used to climb up on, Aww. you know, and <laughs> hang out. So that's why he's drawn to that building. And of course, the whole time there's the the beautiful girl that he's fallen in love with, and it's a tragedy, of course, because these are these are different species, and you know, but he still loves the girl, and he's trying to take care of her, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know any better. And we see the same thing happen in Revenge of the Creature, where the creature now has been taken to a, a, a sea park, you know, is that we used to have one in Miami called the Sequarium. And uh, this one was filmed in a very similar uh, sea park that was further north. It's, it's still in Florida. I can't remember what city it's in. But I think it's, it's even still there to this day where it was filmed. And the creature is there just as, like, it's an aquarium. You know? Yeah, and he's like a prisoner. Yeah. Like, it's really, I think, personally, the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon trilogy is kind of a tragedy uh, with, like, themes of, like, colonialism and all that. If of course you wanna, it is. Because it's like, yeah, okay, the first movie. <laughs> the first movie is, like... The humans come in and like they didn't have to be there, you know. They just start like they just start messing with the creature because he's weird to them, you know. Even though they're in his home. Then you got and then it's like, okay, you can leave it at that. But the second movie is like, yeah, the creature's like a prisoner, and then by the third movie, they like do all this island of Dr. Moreau stuff on him where they're trying to make him human. 
So it's just really like a long, drawn-out tragedy. It's a lot of animal cruelty if you really think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, going back to the second film, uh, you know, he it's not the same woman. It's not Julie Adams anymore. But he's still, once again, the creature falls in love. I, there's something about blonde hair or whatever. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and so Fay Ray kind of thing. And so once again, we have the more or less what would be interpreted as the second half of uh, King Kong. And the creature, of course, is able to escape from the aquarium. And then he runs amok. And then at the end, he's supposedly killed again. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really odd about this ending is that they ha- they literally used the same footage from the first movie. So the, the the second creature movie, Revenge of the Creature, ends exactly the same way as the original creature from the Black Lagoon, where the creature is literally just floating. And, and it's not they didn't reshoot it. It's it's the same scene. Yeah, they like, just reused it. They just used the same <laughs> scene, you know? And I always thought it was interesting from a semiotic standpoint that in the first film, when you see that scene, you think you interpret that as, oh, the creature has been killed. Mm -hmm. But when you see it in the second film and it's the same exact footage, you immediately interpret it as, oh, the creature's not dead yet. Yeah, because you've learned from the last time. you've learned from the last (laughs) one. So so I guess that's their way of saying, oh, there's going to be a third movie. And, of course, there was, and that's (laughs) Creature Walks Among Us. And like Allison said, this one is definitely... uh, I I agree, it's it's the most depressing of the three. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not... Visually gruesome, but when you think about what's going on, it's gruesome, you know? Well, I think what's interesting is how, you know, now they've run out of King Kong references, <laughs> and but they wanted to complete the trilogy, and the creature is burned really badly, and they they wind up operating on the creature, and he winds up becoming more human. They even put clothes on him and everything. They and, try to train him to be human. <laughs> and basically in this movie, without this Beauty and the Beast at its, at its foundation, the, this Beauty and the Beast concept of, you know, the Beast falling in love with a beautiful girl, instead what they have is a storyline where one of the doctors is a jealous husband, and there's another guy who keeps on hitting on his wife, on the jealous husband's <laughs> wife. and Something like Shakespeare type stuff. Yeah, on. yeah, <laughs> exactly. They go to this whole other thing that up until, at least in the first two movies, wasn't even part of this saga. And now it's it's almost like The Creature Walks Among Us is, becomes more like a mummy movie or even more like the way the Frankenstein monster is used in some of the, the cheesier Frankenstein films yeah. where the jealous husband winds up killing the guy who's hitting on his wife, mm. and then he blames it on the creature. Oh, see, that's another just, level he of sadness. Use, he I uses didn't even the creature. That. <laughs> he uses the creature to get away with murder, and then the creature somehow knows that. The creature's smart enough to know that he's being used. Yeah. And so he just goes crazy again and, and more or less ends the same way where the creature's just gone crazy and just doesn't accept what these humans are trying to do. How does, how does he die and what's the ending scene? He's just one? seen on the beach. Like it's a, it's the last scene you just see the creature on the beach. He, but, he wants to return to the ocean. Well, that's what I was going to say. He's a freshwater creature. He's not an ocean creature. So he wouldn't be able to last in the ocean anyway. Well, but see, they sort of do away with that because in Revenge of the Creature, he goes in the ocean. That's bullshit. I mean, are they trying to say that the, the lagoon is brackish water or I something guess, like yeah. that? Or, or yeah, he's, he, <laughs> that far in from the yeah from the shore. Once again, something that was never really uh, you know discussed. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Once again, you know, there's sea creatures, and then there's like big lake monsters, which are usually like Nessie. But then there's like bog swamp and smaller lake monsters, whose function is pretty much always to like 
make people stay away from those areas so they don't, like, fall in accidentally and drown, you know? And, yeah, there's a couple of different ones. I know there's, like, the Grindylo, which is, like, this little demon or something, like, this little goblin. And it, like, yeah, basically just drowns people. There's, like, the Kelpie, which is, like, a horse. It also drowns people. And then there's, like, in Japan, they have a Kappa, which also drowns people, even though sometimes it just pranks people. The creature, he takes some inspiration from, like, these creatures that are, like, these mystical creatures, you know, they're telling you, like, stay out of the water, you know, stay out of these, like, mysterious <laughs> deep lakes that where you're not supposed to be. But don't you, you think know? that's a different mythology than what they're trying to do with the creature? That mythology is for people who frequent ponds and lagoons and... Water. Yeah, but I don't know. I think there's still some, like, relation there. All right. I still think it's kind of like a cautionary tale, even though, obviously, it's the creature that ends up suffering. But, you know, he takes some victims with him. Yeah, all the bad guys. <laughs> anyway, this has been our talk on the creature from the Black Lagoon. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye. <laughs> If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.